You know, what a, a great year this is in terms of, of the number of the year. 2020, this is the eye specialist ideal year, isn't it? And I think it's, a, it's for both vision specialists of the eye, but also those of the, uh, the mind. And so it's, uh, it's appropriate. We're going to take a look this morning at our church's own vision statement. See how clear we uh, think that it is. And, uh, you know, all church vision and mission statements, they build upon the text that was just read to you, upon the mission statement that, uh, that Jesus gave his disciples before he left them. So what we're going to do is we're going to see how well our statement builds upon and fits in with Jesus' statement. Let me uh, read that to you. It's, you'll notice it's there in that same sheet where the, uh, the scripture was, uh, is printed. Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church exists to make, equip, and deploy followers of Christ that love their families, neighbors, and the world for the glory of God. As I said, let's, let's take a look now to see how this fits in with what, uh, what Jesus has said to his disciples. And look first of all there in, um, in verse 18. Jesus is speaking to them, and the first thing he notes is that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And what Jesus is doing is, is, first of all, establishing the authority by which he gives this commission to his disciples. And his authority rests not, not simply as his role as, as their master, as their Lord, but by the authority that he possesses over all of creation. He is sending them on a a mission to invade and establish his kingdom throughout the world in every nation. And he does not need permission of any nation to do this, to send his troops into their land. The reason why is that God the Father has given him this authority already over every nation. And now from Jesus' authority comes the church's own right and reasoning for existing. So when it says Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church exists, first of all, note that we exist by the authority of Jesus Christ. It is Christ who has brought us into being. He has established our physical presence in this community. We're not one of the pieces of a of a planned community, you know, that when the developers were, were envisioning the Lake Oconee community, you know, they're thinking, well, you know, we've got to have a, a grocery store and a bank and a library and there's, we should have a church. You know, LOPC exists by the calling of our Lord, our only Lord. But then Jesus called us into existence for a purpose. So we don't, we don't simply exist for the sake of, well, we, we need to have a place. You know, there are Christians who move in, and we should have a place for them to come in and, and worship and, um, you know, be part of a church family. We're not merely a service provider. You know, we're not like the local gym or the bank or, or grocery store in which we exist to provide a, a product or service for our people who are you know, who are into religion, who like to have a place to go to on Sunday. Now, it's church for worship. 
Well, most definitely. The date of a church does not provide the opportunity to worship God as we're doing right now as his gathered people. It's not a church. Is church for fellowship? Is it for growing, being nurtured in our faith? Well, yes, again, the Christian faith is a community faith. We are created, we're redeemed to be part of a community. When we are saved, when we're brought into Christ, we're brought into Christ's body with other members. Again, this comes out of, um, uh, you know, out of what Jesus has taught us. But even so, there is another reason for why we exist. And it's not merely just another item. We, well, we worship and we fellowship and we, we study the word together and, oh, we do this. No, it's actually the fruition of worship and nurturing fellowship. And it comes out of Jesus' commission. Let's read that again in verse 19 and 20. Jesus says, go, therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And this, this commandment of Jesus is known as the Great Commission. So Jesus is commissioning his followers to go throughout the world with the gospel for the purpose of Well, this is the interesting thing. What he says is the purpose. I mean, think about this for a moment. Now, what was Jesus' mission? Well, we understand it. Well, he came to to save the lost. We were separated from God. We were under God's wrath, you know, just as I was praying about. And and Jesus, what did he do? He came, he died on the cross, he saved us from our sin, and he, he reconciled us to God. And so, it would seem then... That Jesus' commission for his disciples would be, well, to go forth and and proclaim the gospel. So those who were lost in their sin would be saved. So maybe he would have said something, go, therefore, and save the lost. But he doesn't do that, does he? He wants his disciples to make disciples. So Jesus is not interested in mere professions of faith. He's not looking for how many people, you know, walked the aisle, how many people filled out cards, how many have we been able to, to add to the roles. He wants changed lives. He wants followers, the same type of followers that he himself made out of his disciples. And so he says, thus they are to be baptized with all that baptism signifies. It signifies the changing of one's identification, of of turning one's allegiance over to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To be baptized is to, to come out of the world of sin and into the kingdom of God. It's always remember that a disciple of Christ is not a loner. A hermit out there in the woods is not the model of a Christian life. We're to be members of the family of God in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit dwells in each disciple, in each one of us. And that same Spirit unites us as disciples together in the body of Christ. That's why there must be a local church to which Jesus' disciples belong. 
So the disciples of Jesus are to be baptized. They're also to be taught. What are they to be taught? To observe all that Jesus has commanded. Now, this commandment, to have his commandments obeyed, means that the church then must be faithful to teach what we Presbyterians like to call the whole counsel of God. We cannot choose our favorite subjects, our favorite doctrines, or our favorite scripture passes, and then kind of pass over what is uncomfortable to us, or what might be unpopular, what might be difficult to to learn or receive. We do, and we must engage in evangelism. But we are not allowed to stop with that. The gospel must be preached. It must be taught. But in doing so, we cannot, we cannot isolate it from all that scripture has to teach. We should rejoice over the sinner who is saved. But we cannot be satisfied with the newborn in Christ who remains an infant in Christ. Just as a parent you know, loves that little baby, but if that little, that two or three or four-year-old keeps acting like a baby, now we're exasperated. So with this understanding of Jesus' great commission to the church, all right, let's see how the vision statement fits with it. Again, let me, let me read it. LOPC exists to make, equip, and deploy followers of Christ that love their families, neighbors, and the world for the glory of God. So we can see here, we're, we're keeping with the Great Commission. We exist to make, to make disciples. And what that first half of that, of that whole sentence is about, is about, is about how we're going to do that making. The second half is about the result of that making. Let me skip a little bit. We're in notes there that we're to make followers of Christ. That's just the definition of what disciples are. They don't merely believe in Christ. They follow him as their Lord. They observe all of his commandments and teachings. They don't fit Jesus into their lives. Rather, their lives are transformed. They're recalibrated to fit what he would have them to do and to be. So let's look again at these verbs we got here. We're to make, equip, and deploy. Now, by make, simply what we're acknowledging here is that we must, we must first evangelize. We must present the gospel. And we don't have the power to cause anyone to be born again, but we do have the responsibility to proclaim, to teach the gospel clearly, to teach it graciously, as the Apostle Paul prayed for himself in uh, Colossians 4. And furthermore, though, to make a disciple involves bringing that believer into the church through baptism and through teaching then all that Jesus commands. That is, again, giving the whole counsel of God that's found in Scripture. So there's making, there's evangelizing. Note then, there is equipping disciples. You know, one can be an excellent student of God's word. There are those who have devoted their lives to the study of scriptures, becoming a scholar of scripture. But you know what Jesus really wants? He wants those who are devoted to observing what the scriptures have to teach. 
that is of obeying his commandments. He wants disciples who are putting their his teachings into practice. And even that is not merely for the sake of, you know, growing in righteousness, of becoming holier, but rather for actively serving God's kingdom to which they belong. Now, when a new recruit goes to boot camp, he has to learn lots of things, but it's all for a purpose. The purpose is to go out there and to do whatever the duty it is that requires him to do. So that is what it was. Jesus is wanting us. Whenever we are learning, we need to be thinking how to put this into practice. So simply put, Jesus wants followers who are doing their part to make disciples throughout the world. And so the purpose of the church is not merely to make knowledgeable disciples, but to equip those disciples to to carry out their calling to be disciple makers. So first with that comes knowledge. That's followed up by, by training, by nurturing, by developing you know, think of it this way. Again, parents, you know, we, we teach, we, we nurture our children for their well-being. But what is our real goal? The real goal of parents is not simply to have healthy and happy children. That's nice. But to raise children who themselves will grow and become productive adults. That's when we know that we have done our job. And so any church should be continually examining itself as to whether it's enabling, whether it's encouraging productive disciples who, who are actively serving Christ's kingdom. Are there soldiers, are there disciples being well-fed in such a way that they go out there and they, they serve the Lord with energy, they, they serve with, it with effectiveness? Or are we uh, feeding our congregation, our, our disciples, in such a way that they are... Well, they're self-satisfied. They're quite contented with just the way things are. Or to state it in terms of the vision statement, is Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church equipping its members to actively serve? And that takes us to the third concept here of deploying. Now, I remember when uh, we were at an elders' retreat and we're working on the statement and and I don't know who mentioned uh, the statement of deploying, and I, I just, it sounds like the military. And, um, well, that's right. That's the point. Think, onward Christian what? Soldiers marching on to war. If you look back to in Paul, three times Paul in Philippians, 2 Timothy, and Philemon, he refers to his co-workers as, as soldiers, and he, the military concept that, that Paul had, it's embedded in the teaching about the kingdom of God. God's kingdom on earth has been invaded by Satan and his demon legions. Understand Jesus' mission is this way. He came back to take over his kingdom. His first proclamation after he said repent was the kingdom of God is near. That's what it's near because He's come. His, his casting out of demons, His healing the sick. 
That's Jesus winning battles against the demonic forces. His decisive victory, it took place on the cross. There he defeats the, the power of sin over us captives. And as his resurrection proved, he even defeated the power of death as well. So he, he defeated the stranglehold of Satan. But then what happens? He ascends to heaven. And though he, he did win that decisive victory on the cross and, and over the grave, the enemy remains on earth. And just as battles continued, you think about it, after the, really that decisive victory on, on D-Day, still had to fight. So the battle still continues. Who carries on that warfare? The church. It is the church that goes forth throughout the world making disciples of all nations. Making disciples of those who are captive to Satan. Making uh, disciples of those who are even serving Satan. The church goes forth fighting battles like Jesus. Healing the sick, casting out demons, reclaiming enemy territory for our Lord. But then again, understand, what is the church? The church are the disciples of Jesus. And so the church's members need to be deployed for service in the kingdom. And so again, any church needs to examine itself in this. Are we making, equipping, and deploying disciples, followers of Christ, who are going out to serve? who are even doing battle for the sake of Christ's kingdom? Are we as a church creating opportunity for our members to engage in service and and for spiritual battle? And that service and that battle, it, it takes many different forms. It can be presenting the gospel, for example, like while teaching ESL. It can be building houses, providing medical care, helping in a variety of ways those who have been mired in poverty. It could be something I never thought about. It could be building sheds that we give to churches to offer in their communities for families whose houses have been struck by natural disasters. It can be teaching and, and nurturing the children of the church and in the community. But more to the point is this. It's it's about making and equipping disciples who themselves naturally look for deployment opportunities. Disciples are restless, resting at home. And so they pay attention to their neighbors, to their community. They, They look for ways to serve because of the love that they have for their neighbors and for all neighbors, wherever they may be. And that then leads us to the second half of our vision statement. LOPC exists to make, equip, and deploy followers of Christ. That's, that's the part about what's involved. And then what, what's it to lead to? What's the end result? That love their families, that love their neighbors in the world for the glory of God. Now, I tell you, this part of the vision is intriguing. It's intriguing to me. I, um, you know, when I, when I read this and, and, and studied it, and I realized, you know, 
And I looked at other churches. I mean, this part about loving, I never thought about that. I mean, most statements read something like this. Who who would deploy if they're going to do all of that? Disciples who do what? Who take the gospel? Who witness for Christ? Why would you use the word love? I can think of two reasons. One is that love comprehends taking the gospel to families and neighbors in the world. The highest love we may show is to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we're not doing that, we're not showing love. If we love, we will share the gospel. But the second reason for using love is that it keeps before us what matters to God. Remember when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He gave that twofold answer. What was it? It was to love God, to love neighbor. You know, Paul wrote his famous chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, when it's always read at weddings, making one point that love is the greatest attribute of the Christian. It is greater than faith. It is greater than hope. As he says, I can do, if I do all these miracles, I do all these things, gifts are poor and so on, if I'm not love, I am nothing. And so a question that we have to keep asking ourselves. Do you love your neighbor? That, that noisy, grumpy neighbor. Do you love the relative that pushes your buttons, that holds the exact opposite views of you, Politically, Do you love the world that is increasingly seeing you as the enemy? Well, that's what Jesus demands of his disciples. He says this in Luke 6. He says, love your enemies and do good and lend. Expect nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. That's how to know that you're a child of God, is how well you love the person who bothers you the most. If the members of Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church do not exercise this kind of love, well, we're not making disciples. Now, all of this disciple Business is for one particular end, and it notes that there in the in the vision statement for the glory of God. You know, if we faithfully make, equip, and deploy followers of Christ that love their families and neighbors in the world, if we do that well. You know, we'll, we'll probably prosper as a church. I mean, numbers increase. I mean, you, you win the loss, you bring them into the church. But our prosperity is not the goal. The glory of God is the goal. For thine, as we have prayed, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. Paul writes in Romans 11, the very first hymn that we sung were based on this verse. For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. That's what it's about. That's what our lives are about. You know, I personally think 
I think this is an excellent vision statement. But even so, I, I will say this. It leaves unsaid what, it is, what is implied. To be disciples that love the world, we must be disciples who love one another. Now, Jesus said in John 13, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. By how well you testify about me, by how well you go out and do good things, he says this, if you have love for one another. We may have great enthusiasm to share the gospel with the lost. Our hearts may ache for our neighbors. We may be zealous for for missions abroad. But it's here within the church, Christ's body, where the mark of being his disciple is most displayed or lacking. It's according to our love or our lack of love for one another. And brothers and sisters, this is where we have to search our souls. Because just as in our families, our true nature comes out. So it is within our church family. The mark of belonging to Jesus is most clearly revealed. Are we known for how well we, we encourage one another? Are we known for how well we, for the, for the forgiving spirit that we have? Do we pray for each other? Do we pray for God's blessings on each other? You know, it, it's here. How we take notice of. How we take concern for one another. It's here that Jesus says that we're going to be observed by those out there, by our families, our neighbors, and the world we claim to love. So we need to think about this. We need to think about this the next time we're tempted to make that quip. It puts down a brother or sister in the Lord. When we're, we're tempted to share a gossip. We're to think about this when we're criticizing within our own hearts. We're not saying it to anybody, but we got it in our hearts, our minds. That other for whom what? For whom Christ died and has made his disciple. It's here, within this family, that we're to glorify God our Father. We're to prove our allegiance to Christ our Lord. This is Christ's vision for his church. And for all his disciples. Let's pray. We thank you again, our God, for our Lord Jesus Christ. For his deep love for his people, his deep love for his father, which he gladly carried out the will of his father. His love for us, that undying love for us. We thank you and may all the more be built up in that. Remembering that we belong to him. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.